What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Passing Downs podcast for another week. I'm your host, Rahul Padi. I'm here with PD. Say what's up. What's up? All right. And we're back for our fifth episode of this pod. Just like the last four episodes, we're going to give you a review of what we thought were the most interesting matchups, quarterback performances of the last week. And then we're going to dive into some interesting performances we're looking to expect for next week. And we'll get started off with PD with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the way that Cousins played in this game because I I saw a lot of things on social media where Cousins was getting... Uh, Slandered. Yeah, that's probably the right word. Um, for his performance early on in the game and not enough credit. So I think I do agree that he started off pretty slow in this game. Uh, the accuracy wasn't there. He threw a pick where he kind of pump faked and then threw late... Uh, right into the coverage of Tyron Matthew attempting a whole shot. And that was a bad pick. But if we start to look into the second half and this is an area where Kirk Cousins has been criticized for is like uh, later in the games against tough opponents, I would say. Um, he kind of had a takeover in the second half where he was setting his receivers up for yards after the catch on any open any open throws. And then uh, late in the game uh, on on a potential go-ahead drive or game-trying drive, he has a spectacular throw to Justin Jefferson where Justin Jefferson uh, beats Marshawn Lattimore, gets a step on him, but Kirk puts the ball right on the money on his chest, um, and that sets them up for an eventual field goal because they run the ball a few times instead of trying to go for the touchdown. So I think that got lost in the shuffle a little bit with Cousins this week. I think he played an overall decent game. There were a couple of plays where they were head scratchers and he wasn't punished for them, but I do think overall um, the amount of positives that he generated this week was decent enough to overcome them. Yeah, and moving on from one NFC matchup that was decided by only three points to another one, and probably one of the most exciting games of the week, surprisingly, was Seahawks-Lions with a massive shootout between Geno Smith and Jared Goff, of all people. Who would have thought? I got to start off by saying when Geno Smith first came into the year and started to pop off a little bit, me and PD joked a bit about actually talking about him in the podcast, but we never thought it happened. But after last week, I think he had to be, it had to be talked about. You know, everyone saw the crazy stat line of 77% completion, which is one of the best start, I think the best start of all time completion percentage wise through four games, 320 yards, two touchdowns. And after watching the film, I'd say his play completely backs up this ridiculous stat line. He started off great, just running their offense. I feel like Pete Carroll has done a great job of breaking it down, giving a lot of bootleg type of plays, which just breaks the field in half and makes it a very, Hot, easy, high, low read, and he did a great job of starting off with that and giving his players opportunity for yaks. On his, the first touchdown, he threw an amazing contested throw to his tight end in the back of the end zone, putting it only where he could get it. And then after a bit of what I mentioned earlier, he started to get going with DK. I think Metcalf, obviously a great receiver, he hadn't quite built the connection yet, and I think this game he really realized that how he how to utilize DK's size because there's two throws in the middle of the first quarter where it was like right on the money in the middle of the field to DK and then later on there were a couple of go routes that he put right in between the defenders 
to DK, and overall, DK was just cooking this game. Later on in the game, he had a great throw to Tyler Lockett for a huge game in the fourth while getting hit. He stayed in the pocket, threw it off his a little bit off his back foot, and still delivered a big-time throw, probably his my favorite throw of the day from him. But overall, he was just incredibly accurate. Almost all of his throws that I saw from that game had elite ball placement, and he was hitting his receivers in stride, giving them the opportunity to get more. It may not have been the most tight window throws a lot of the time or anything spectacular, but he was getting the job done effectively. And even though he's, even when he is asked to sit back and throw, you know, a lot of the time they're giving him motions or bootlegs to just get someone in open space, he was still standing in the pocket and delivering dimes to his players. And he's showing a lot of what we didn't expect out of him, but the ability to process what defenses are throwing at him and knowing when to be aggressive or not. And even though it was the Lions defense and practically everything was open, but, you know, he still showed that this game, which is a lot of promise. And one thing I'd like to end off with him is I'm a little, I guess I could say disappointed that it's happening so late in his career because even though he's showing promise, it's probably not going to lead to much at his age, but it's still cool to see someone like him, which we haven't seen much at all, you know, sit out for so long after all the unfortunate stuff that happened early in his career and still come out and be a baller. So props to him for his perseverance and performing now. Yeah, we we even like didn't give much of a preview for him before the season. And that was clearly a mistake. That was clearly a mistake on our part. Yeah. Um the the accuracy, anticipation, ball placement, toughness, all those things came to sh- uh, came out in this game, and he's really showing like a clearly elevated level of play. And he might honestly even be my MVP through five weeks. That sounds crazy to say, but uh, I I gotta say that's a little ridiculous. But f- fair enough, fair enough. I know it's it seems ridiculous when you think about where he was uh, yeah. at the beginning of the year, barely um, a starter. Yeah. Moving on to uh, a little less of a positive game, uh, we got the Jaguars and the Eagles, and uh, it's a review of Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence did not look good in this game. Um, obviously, I do want to add the caveat that the weather wasn't good for this game, and so that probably has something to do with the ball security that he showed in this game, but the the general pocket awareness, the, like, the ball security... Um, it was just really poor from Lawrence in this game. And he wasn't generating positives, really, to counter that at all. Um, there was one throw that he had to Jamal Agnew early in the game that was pretty nice, and he had another one uh, late in the game down the field. But he was constantly missing his guys open on screens down the field, whatever it was, um, and the fumbles, man. The fumbles were just killer. Uh, one or two may have slipped out of his hands, but there was a couple where they were they were just – general strip sacks where he definitely could have held on to the ball with um, better awareness, better grip, whatever. And the interception that he threw was pretty poor as well. Staring down uh, the def- staring down his offensive player, uh, allowing the defender to fall off from his original assignment and come make the play. Um, and he got pretty poorly, badly baited there. So uh, a step back for Lawrence this week in what has been kind of a solid season up until that point. But I really would like to see him bounce back from that. 
uh, and show better uh, poise in the pocket because the pocket presence has always been like a good thing for Trevor Lawrence. He's been able to use his size and stuff to navigate the pocket and throw over throw over his offensive line and the defensive line. But in this game, it just looked a little. He just looked a little lost. I would say. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I do want to really emphasize how bad the conditions were. Having watched that game, I know Hurts didn't quite have as bad of a game as Lawrence did, but both quarterbacks did definitely struggle with that weather. It was definitely not good for quarterback play. And the way the Jaguars' offense has been running this year so far, I wouldn't quite use this as a panic button type of game because I do expect Lawrence to bounce back from this. Obviously a bad showing, but I don't think this is the end-all be-all for him. Yeah, uh, moving on from Trevor Lawrence to uh, another quarterback from that draft class, and that is Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson came back this week from injury, and I have to say the first half was awful. He had four Mm -hmm. turnover-worthy plays in the first half, and it just looked like he was kind of chucking the ball out there. There was one uh, particularly bad one, in my opinion, where on a throwaway, he didn't get enough on the ball to throw it away, and it landed right in Minka Fitzpatrick's hands. there was another one that was a dropped interception um, that he threw um, right to a defender, like in the flat. And it's, it's just a, a pattern with Wilson of just throwing the ball to the defense, not having uh, certainty over what he's seeing with the defense. And I think to get to the level that I projected him to be coming out of college, um, it's going to take quite a lot for him to develop understanding and I'm not optimistic on his outlook going forward. Uh, I really do hope that he uh, improves going forward because there were moments in this game where he was pushing the ball down the field with accuracy and he looked to be uh, confident and and on the money. But just too many negative plays and passing up on open receivers, throwing the ball to the defense, uh, for me to say he had a good game in this one, um, maybe some signs of encouragement that can be used as points of emphasis going forward. Yeah, and I know we're not going to mention him, but Justin Fields also had a pretty bad game. So overall, with the Lance injury and Mac Jones injury as well, it's not looking good for that quarterback draft class right now overall. That was supposed to be a legendary one, but I hope for all those young guys, they do end up bouncing back. But moving on from a lot of bad quarterback play to some quarterbacks who were expected to be good or have been good so far this season, starting off with another powerhouse AFC matchup between the Ravens and Bills. And this was quite a good game for sure. And starting with Lamar Jackson, he's coming off a so far MVP caliber season. And this was definitely a disappointing game statistically. You know, he did have good completion percentage, but only 144 yards, a touchdown, but two picks. Still elite rushing as always, but as bad as those stats may sound, I will say when looking at it more closely, he wasn't quite as bad as what that sounds like. However, still a disappointing performance from him there, in my opinion. Uh, they didn't have much, a lot of the, in the first quarter because of just how the game ended up going. The Bills turned the ball over early in, early in the first quarter and the Ravens had a quick drive with the touchdown. He did have a great throw in the mid first quarter where he extended, he had a diving throw to Bateman on the sideline 
and that extended the drive and a couple more good runs set up another uh, Ravens score. I will say to end the first quarter, he did have probably one of the most electric plays of the game where he avoided a couple pass rushers and found Dobbins for a pretty solid gain. But then he did take a bad sack to end that drive where I think he had Andrews over the middle in the seam and he could have hit that. But again, that killed it. And then later... Later in that half, with about, I'd say, nine minutes left in the fourth, he had another one of those amazing magical plays where he got away from, like, two or three defenders, but he did throw the ball in harm's way and got, like, a bit of a lucky tip to Duvernay for a big game, big gain. But, again, that's just one of those plays before the throw that was amazing from Lamar. And then early in the fourth... You know, that's where we really started to see Lamar's uh, game kind of take a dive for the worse because he did throw a pick, popped up at the line. I did see what he was going for because he did have Andrews pretty open for the in-breaking route, but he simply can't throw the ball like immediately at the chest of the defensive lineman. It was tipped, but it wasn't even something that would go up and get. He threw it right at their helmet, and that's just a mistake he can't make. And in the last, on probably his biggest mistakes of the game was the last offensive drive. He was able to get the team downfield, made a couple of good throws, a couple of good runs, got them in scoring position to potentially win the game. But then on third and goal with the chance to take the lead, he misses someone in the middle of the end zone and then tries to run upfield, gets tackled, doesn't quite make it. And then on fourth, he runs away from a pass rusher and off his back foot, he kind of just heaves it up in the end zone for an easy pick. You could argue that it was four down with the game on the line, so he had to make something out of nothing. But overall, just abandoning the pocket and just not getting the ball to a place where his receivers can make a play. But overall, I will say his stats did look worse than uh, what it, it really was because of stuff out of his control. The Ravens had a great rushing game. Dobbins had a great game, so that took away yards from him, as well as they had a lot of good field position. And Bills take him up a lot of time of possession in the second half. So if you look at just stats straight up, you won't notice those things. However, some problems that I did see from Lamar this game that concerns me long term is I'd say this is the first game where he was really faced with an elite pass rush with pressure all in his face, except for maybe last week. And last week, I talked about how well he dealt with that sort of thing. But this week, we saw a lot of the too much of the old Lamar with inaccurate passes and then some just back foot throw heaves that we saw early in his career, which he kind of took away from his game. But we saw a bit too much in this game. And he took some bad sacks or a couple of times where I'd have liked him to scan the field more and he just took off. I could tell that this Bills front seven flustered him a lot. And from an elite quarterback who's looking to potentially win MVP, he just can't have these games where defenses are just getting in his head to say and just throwing him off his game. But yeah. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the one point that you made um, about his interception, the last pass uh, that he threw in the game or that th- their last offensive drive. Um, if you look at that play, he actually has his receiver that he ends up throwing it to. It's just 
he takes quite a long time to get there. And so the window closes and he throws a really, really bad ball, honestly. Yeah. Uh, that's way, way to the right of his receiver. And so that's what allows the defender to make the play. Yeah. And I completely agree with PD there. And with the game on the line like that on a fourth and goal, he simply can't make those mistakes. And I think that ties in with what I said earlier with the pass rush and the insane pressure kind of getting to him and forcing him into making those mistakes. Overall, I don't think this is a game that will kill his season or his push for an MVP if he does improve. But this is definitely a game where he needs to go back and work on because mistakes like that is something that can derail games, as we saw in this one. Yeah, I I agree with almost everything that you said there. And then I clarified the one point that I uh, wanted to add there. And Mm -hmm. moving on to the other side of the ball uh, in that game, looking at Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen had a little bit of a weird one because it was a lot of short passing uh, for a lot of the game. Uh, He had a couple of uh, shots kind of down the field where he wasn't pushing the ball like 30, 40 yards down the field, but kind of a controlled, um, aggressive attack on some of those passes where he's pushing the ball up to 20 yards or so. And then a lot of short passes, intermediate stuff, uh, where he's kind of just taking what the defense gives him. The big thing that uh, buoyed the Bills' offense that day uh, was Josh Allen's ability to evade pressure and make uh, something out of nothing on the ground. Uh, A number of critical scrambles in that game for first downs for huge chunk yardage. And that type of rushing production can really uh, take over and win you the game. Uh, He also... Didn't finish with the turnover-worthy play in my in my grading, um, despite having turnovers in this game uh, and a bunch of dropped interceptions where I didn't think that they warranted a turnover-worthy play. Uh, regardless, um, I think he played played a very strong game, um, especially considering the game script and the amount of offense that he had to carry in this game. Uh, I give him. Uh, a high, high grade for this game. And I'm looking to see him continue to cement himself as an MVP candidate. Yeah, I agree with most of what you said about Allen. Then certainly a conservative ish game for him. And another thing I'd like to emphasize about him is I think his rushing, I guess, abilities in this game kind of popped off a lot more than I'd usually see, because I felt like there were a lot of times where the Ravens simply had everything covered. One particularly, I remember, I believe it was a fourth and one, and they completely had the play covered, and Josh Allen just makes a defender or two miss and picks up that huge fourth down. It's plays like those that just make him an elite playmaker and just make him absolutely elite. But moving on from those two quarterbacks to another quarterback who's back on the rise in the AFC, and Justin Herbert. And, man, I got to say, Justin Herbert is absolutely back, and it's beautiful to see. Uh, 69% completion on the day, 340 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. In the first game, I think I've seen him healthy in weeks, and that was awesome to see. I'm glad he's back to his full form. And he used an easy Texas uh, Texans defensive matchup to get himself and that offense overall going because they've been struggling for – a couple of weeks now. Uh, he starts the game with an absolute laser to Everett for a touchdown. Place perfectly placed over the defender's outstretched arms in a tight window. 
and he made a very tough throw there look easy. And then following in the following drive, he made another couple of tough tight window throws between zones on third downs to continue drives. And then it ended up setting another Eckler touchdown early in the second. Later on, he hits a open Mike Williams in stride, but gives him the opportunity for big yak yardages, a big yak yardage ends up in a huge 50-yard play that sets up another touchdown. And then same half, once again, he hits Everett in stride in tight coverage a couple of times to set up a field goal with about four minutes left in the half. And the Chargers manage to get the ball again, and he makes another two precise on-the-money throws to Brandy or something like that, some receiver on that team that I've never heard of. And it was two of his best throws of the day because it was right in between two zones on the sideline with less than a minute left. That's one of the most important things, getting out of bounds. And they were able to there and pick up another field goal. Uh, The second half, he did have a period where he slowed down a bit. In the middle of the third, in this first second half drive, he did try to force it downfield to Mike Williams, who was tightly covered by Derek Stingley. And overthrew it a bit. And overall, I got to say, he had no need to attempt something like that, given the point of the game they were at, being so high up. And that's something I will touch on once again later. And then early early in the fourth, he had a couple of poorly thrown incompletions, gave the Texans the ball back quickly. But he made up for the couple of poor offensive drives with his final drive, where he made a lot of quick reads to open receivers, uh, underneath, hit them on the money, gave them the opportunity to, you know, make a move. He was getting easy, consistent yards, and that put them in scoring position, and eventually he put the game away with the Austin Eckler touchdown. Overall, I will say about Herbert was first half was absolutely flawless. All his throws were precise, poised. He had amazing velocity, which we saw dip a little bit due to his injury, but It's fully back now, in my opinion, and amazing ball placement as well. Great accuracy overall, which, as I said earlier, was dipping a bit with his injury. Seems to be back. And he just mentally tore apart that defense. He knew exactly where to go and when. But second half, I think this is a recurring theme with Herbert, where I feel like he tries to be a bit too aggressive when he needs to. When you're trying to put these teams away with a huge lead, I'd like him to go with more, you know, not necessarily conservative, but more high percentage throws that will get them consistent yardage, take time off the clock, rather than going downfield and making risky plays, which you don't necessarily need to do at that point in the game. He does make up for it in that final drive, as I mentioned earlier, but that's something that I just don't want him doing. I will say it's also in combination with the Chargers, play calling, just kind of being a bit too conservative in the sense where they ran it too much, didn't let Herbert cook as much, and then he was forced into those third downs where he just was trying to make a play. But overall, the play calling and Herbert need to get more on the same page in that and have a drive like that final drive to put away these teams because we see a common theme with the Chargers just choking games in the second half. I think this is a big reason in it. They don't know how to play it with the lead. Yeah, um, great points that you made there with the Chargers game, game script management and play calling. I, I really like what you said there. Um, staying with, uh, staying in the West for the rest of these 
reviews. Um, oh boy, we're going to Russell Wilson, and since we just <laughs> finished up the Thursday night football game, uh, we're going to touch on the, that Thursday night football game as well. So starting off on a bit of more of a positive note, uh, week four, it looked like vintage Russ. Um, there were quite a few three and outs. There was a string where the Broncos had four consecutive punts, uh, but there were the field flipping field flipping plays that we've come to know Russ for in the past. Um, specifically the one to KJ Hamler uh, at the end of the game. That was a spectacular throw, and it gives the Broncos a chance to uh, punch in the t- punch in the touchdown and uh, stay in the game. Um, there was a great amount of accuracy and decisiveness from Russ in that game uh, in terms of throwing to the intermediate areas of the field um, on slants, on sort of short posts or glances um, to Sutton, to Judy, uh, to wh- whoever it was uh, early on in the game and even extending a little bit into the second half, but a, a little less in the second half. And he took some sacks that he probably could have avoided. Um, I think that that is a per- performance to build off, but Transitioning into week five, he clearly did not build off that performance um, and went the exact opposite direction. I think week five, he fell to the worst level that he's been at all year. Uh, He was missing open throws, uh, showing pretty awful decision-making, specifically on both of the interceptions that he threw. The first one, he kind of just threw the ball up for grabs to a defender. Uh, The second one, he was way late and behind. And... Another play that I want to talk about that was turnover worthy in my mind, but doesn't in, result in an interception or even a dropped interception is the last play of the game where he, the Broncos have called a pick play to the right side. Um, and KJ Hamler is open on a slant and I, I haven't seen the all 22 for this play yet. So I can't confirm for sure, but the fact that that pick play was being ran on the right and Russ doesn't even look that way and he fires the ball to Cortland Sutton and doesn't garner a completion, um, that that play, uh, I would I would consider that turnover worthy because there there's an opportunity to be had and yet he still makes a play to kind of end the game. Um, I, I also want to touch on Russ as a whole and kind of the kind of overall play that he's been showing this year. Um he looks like he's in a really sharp decline and the lesson physical ability is I think affecting his processing um, as he kind of struggles to understand what he's still capable of physically. Uh, he kind of is starting to throw the ball up for grabs and uh, sail the ball, um, losing control over the ball. Um, and I think that's a really, really bad, bad recipe for the Broncos offense. I also think that um this experiment with Russ, it, it could have, it, it's probably in quite a slow start for a reason. And I think Russ is in the mold of quarterbacks where they're the worst type to insert into a new situation. Because for Russ, uh, not only do does he not throw over the middle of the field, which has been talked about a lot, but I think that Russ is one of the most chemistry-reliant quarterbacks in the history of football, where he needs his receivers to be constantly on the same page with him to generate explosive plays. And that's kind of a tough ask when you're only five weeks in with your receivers um, and all you've had is training camp and preseason to get that done. Actually, not even preseason because the Broncos didn't really play their starters in preseason. Um, And combine that with the declining physical ability – and that kind of just leads to what we're seeing right now, which is a set of horrible performances that he's delivered in uh, uh, quite a few primetime games. 
So, yeah, that's my thoughts on Russell Wilson. An up and down week four to week five, but it's not looking good moving forward in this season. Yeah, that's a very interesting point you bring up about the chemistry with his receivers because as a Niners fan, for the better part of a decade, I saw Russell Wilson you know, tear apart our defenses. And a big reason why is he had the ability to just break out of his pocket and guys like Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett kind of knew where to go to find open space for him to get him the ball. And I think I've mentioned for a couple of weeks now, and so has PD, that we're not seeing that at all with the Broncos. You know, Russell Wilson's ability to get big chunk plays and play outside of the offense, essentially, and still be incredibly effective as a playmaker. And, yeah, that's probably a huge reason why he hasn't had much time with his receivers. A lot of them are getting injured, coming back in and out. And, yeah, I'm sure that's had an impact on his game. But, yeah, overall, he's definitely heading in a sharp decline, and it's certainly worrying this game specifically. I've heard countless Broncos fans call him absolutely blind after that last play of the game. You know, I also haven't seen the play back, but you know, there is a freeze frame of K.J. Hamler being absolutely open. He himself said after the game that he could have walked in for a touchdown, and that's simply a mistake you can't make with the game on the line. And, you know, I don't know what to expect out of Wilson this year for sure. But moving on to, from probably the most disappointing AFC West quarterback to probably the one who's been the most impressive so far this season, or at least in my opinion, is Patrick Mahomes, who absolutely solidified himself as the best quarterback in the league so far, in my opinion, in primetime Sunday Night Football. And he did it in quite an electric fashion. Put on an absolute clinic with he was 23 for 37, 249 yards and three touchdowns in what I can only describe as an absolutely amazing offensive performance. He starts the game with an absolute dime to Kelsey, hitting him in stride, leading him upfield for a touchdown. It was a great play by Kelsey, but good job on Mahomes putting it in the right place to get him there. And following that, I saw one of my favorite plays of the game where in the next drive, the Chiefs have, I believe, a third and one play with like eight minutes left in the first. And the Bucks D completely shuts out a designed, I believe it was a bootleg to Kelsey or something to get a, a yard. And there's a defensive lineman who absolutely has Mahomes completely wrapped up. And Mahomes still manages to just flick the ball to Juju for a first down. And he follows that with another impressive throw to Kelsey in between two defenders and zones on a third and 10, which leads to an eventual touchdown. And it's plays like that, which Patrick Mahomes is just able to extend drives where maybe no other quarterback in the league or maybe one or two are able to do so. And it was unbelievably impressive. And then once again, early in the second, on a deep shot, MVS has like a sliver of space on, I believe it was the safety or a coverage linebacker. And he delivers a strike downfield for a huge, like, 50-yard gain. And it and the drive ends on another magician type of play, if you want to call it, where he evades the pass rush on the sideline and then spins off a linebacker and then flips it over two defenders to CEH in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. This was probably the most impressive play of the game, which is surprising after the other play I described earlier. But, man... Just another play where it looked absolutely shut out. The Bucks defense had everything 
designed in the play covered. And Mahomes just, you know, goes out there and plays pitch and catch, which is a lot easier said than done. But he's just able to do it time and time again. Later on, on another fourth and one, with about five minutes left in the second, he's able to find his hot route on a blitz, and CH drops a potential touchdown for a huge gain. That's something that won't show up on the stat sheet, but that was another play where I love the way Mahomes broke down that blitz pretty easily and comfortably. And, you know, it, it was for nothing, but overall just another good play by him. Uh, early in the third, I think he did sell one drive deep in Bucks territory when he was trying to do a bit too much and threw a couple of poor incompletions, which led to a field goal. But later in the third, he made up for it with another beautiful fake screen and a touch patch dropped right on the money to MVS. It was a great connection. And then later on in the drive, throwing for a touchdown was a pretty pedestrian throw. But overall, he set up that drive and it was great. And most of the fourth quarter, the Chiefs had to leave. They spent it running, running the clock out and Mahomes relied on short passes and a couple of third down... Uh, conversions to end the game but overall looking at the game other than a couple of passes where I felt like he could have been a bit less aggressive that led to incompletions but not necessarily turnover worthy plays or putting the ball in harm's way and one boneheaded mistake late in the game where he just kind of threw it to the fender but I cut him a bit of slack for that one maybe more than most because the game was pretty much over at that point but Overall, throughout the game, it was very limited mistakes-wise, and he looked once again like the electrical, magical playmaker that we've known Mahomes for with all these highlight plays, and something we didn't see the prior weeks, maybe it was because of the new personnel, or maybe chemistry, but overall, we hadn't seen it as much as we saw this game, and I thought that was amazing to see, because I think... That version of Mahomes is the best quarterback in football by far, and I want to see it more and more of it. And he still made the routine plays in this game. I think, you know, sometimes he's not the most accurate, but in this game I thought it was good to elite accuracy from Mahomes, and it would have been even better if it wasn't for – it would have looked even better statistically if it wasn't for a couple of drops – and he didn't let a good pass rush phase him, as we saw clearly. He was able to get out of the pocket and make some plays, deliver from dimes from the pocket as well. Overall, he just shredded the Bucks defense, both in man and zone. They are trying everything, and nothing was really able to work. And he looked unstoppable, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with what you said there uh, about Mahomes. Um, my, my final grade for him this game is, isn't going to look... Um, quite as good as what um, uh, you would think from the way Potty described him because of mm-hmm. that one late interception. Um, I'm willing to discount it because of the time of the game, but it kind of did keep the door open for the Bucks. so I, I'll, I'll consider it. Um, I think that yeah. uh, when he's operating on his A game, it's just incredibly hard to stop. He's got maybe the best feel for or spatial awareness in, in the history of football. He's definitely a contender with guys like Steve Young and Aaron Rodgers and all those guys. But I think that that combined with the insane flexibility that he's able to play with, he can bend his body and his arm in in ways that you wouldn't think are possible for anything except the highest percentile athletes. Um, And in this game, the ball was just 
the ball was just on the money um, deep down the field in tight windows. There was one play that you didn't mention, the back shoulder throw to Kelsey, where Kelsey made a spectacular oh, catch. Yeah, but that throw was on the money too from Mahomes. So incredible game from him. Um, he's he's right back in the MVP conversation as well with guys like uh, Geno Smith. <laughs> that sounds that sounds that sounds just so funny to say. But actually, with guys like Geno Smith, with Josh Allen, um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to more from Mahomes. It's fun to yeah. watch. And I know PD hates when people say it, but after that performance, Mahomes simply might be the goat. I don't know. He might just be the greatest player of all time to ever touch the field. So, but... yeah, move on to your next quarterback. <laughs> well, moving on from an absolutely incredible performance to someone who laid an absolute dud, uh, Matthew Stafford. And this was absolutely amazing to watch on my part as a Niners fan. We absolutely shredded that Rams team once again. Uh, we happen to have the Rams number every time except for the one game it matters. But that aside... Uh, after a couple of weeks of Stafford, where we saw a Stafford who hadn't fully returned, but he seemed like on track to maybe be himself by midseason. But after this poor performance, uh, I don't know what to expect out, out of him because it was pretty awful, I would say. His stats, in my opinion, don't show quite how bad he was because the stats seem okay. But when looking at it, and watching it live as well, it definitely wasn't the best. Uh, he started off relatively fine, I'd say. He found Cup and Higby a bunch of times for good gains, uh, and the first drive was derailed by a poor blocking slash bad call. I don't know what I don't know what you necessarily want to call it, but they had a receiver blocking Samson Ebicam, which who's been incredible this year. Uh, don't know what they were thinking, but. That absolutely derailed that drive, but the following drive, he did have a bad incompletion, and he took a bad sack for Tabosa, where he did seem to have someone underneath, but it led to three and out. Later, middle of the second quarter, he did have an amazing throw to Higby, where it seems like the Niners' defense had the screen covered, and he was under immense pressure, but he managed to change his arm angle and still threw it across the field and find Higby. It wasn't a massive gain or anything or a crazy highlight play, but I was very impressed by that throw because, you know, he turns like nothing into something amazing. And then he did follow that up with a great, uh, well-placed deep ball to cup on the sideline, but he did kind of kill that drive where he threw an inaccurate ball on third and goal where he seemed to have his receiver and he just didn't deliver it with enough velocity led to a field goal. Uh, later on, the next drive, he took another two bad sacks, in my opinion, that killed the drive at the end of the half where maybe the Rams could have gotten a little bit going to have some momentum going into the half, but he absolutely did nothing. Uh, the following drive, first, ha- first drive of the second half, he did lead a good drive. It was simple, but it got the job done. But he did almost throw a pick in the end zone, on whether it was third and goal, I think it was second or third and goal, and ultimately he derailed that drive once again. And this is a common theme I'll talk about later in the game or later in my analysis, but it was once again a time where he took his team downfield but then made mistakes that ended up killing the drives, and we saw that 
a lot in this game. And then later in the fourth, you saw it again, where he had another decent drive, but he threw a pick six to someone who's been one of the best safeties in the league this year, in Talanoa Hufanga, on a screen to cup. And I will say it was an absolutely phenomenal play by uh, Hufanga, and maybe there was some blocking miscommunication, but Hufanga read that play like a book. But on Stafford's part, I do have to say, he kind of sailed that ball. It looked like it took a while to get to cup. And in those type of bang-bang screen plays where you got to get the ball to the numbers, that ball's got to have a lot of velocity on it. And something I've touched on with Stafford in the past is he seems to have lost his velocity, whether it was his elbow injury or just older age, maybe a combo of both. But he just simply didn't deliver that ball as hard as it needed to be. And on a simple screenplay like that, you have to do that or else it'll lead into a game-killing pick six like that. And later in the game, he did have a pretty bad fumble, which showed poor pocket awareness. The game was over pretty much, and he was trying to make something out of nothing. But overall, just another mistake that he can't do, especially when they're trying to claw back into a game that may have already been lost, but they simply finished it. Just overall way too many mistakes for him. As you saw, he had a lot of strings of plays where he was good and he threw the ball accurately. He got the ball to his his playmakers and got them in space. Or maybe there were a couple of plays where he was delivering the ball in tight windows. But then he'd kill those drives by either taking a bad sack, throwing nearly interceptions, or just an interception straight up, maybe just sailing the ball away from his players. It happened quite a few times and just too many times in order for him to actually string together full good drives. I wouldn't say he had a single good drive in this entire game, which simply cannot happen if you're trying to have winning football. And overall, another thing I've noticed a lot with Stafford is he seems to be a very hot and cold player. We see Stafford sometimes when he gets going, he really gets going and he looks like a borderline You could even say top five quarterback, which you haven't seen this year, but we did see a lot last year, especially in that Super Bowl run. But when he gets cold, the mistakes really compound, and he just keeps making stupid mistake after stupid mistake, and he just needs to be more consistent. He can't let, like, one mistake compound, and then he just plays shit the rest of the game. And overall, uh, he does also have to spread spread the ball a lot more this season, He's been a, for lack of better words, a Cooper Cup merchant. He only throws it to Cup and the occasional pass to Higby, but they're getting nobody else involved. And I don't know if that's a play calling issue or a Stafford issue, but it is ultimately an issue. He can't just rely on Cooper Cup to do everything. He has multiple players on the field to go to. So he's just got to find his other playmakers. Yeah, good points that you made there uh, with Stafford. And I think with the hot and cold thing that you wanted to make a point about there, um, you said that when he gets hot, he's like a top five quarterback. I I would honestly make the argument that if Matthew Stafford could cut out the mistakes that he makes, which is is a big ask. Um, Very very big ask. He's he's one of the most uh, turnover-prone quarterbacks in the league. But if we could turn – we could take that version of Matthew Stafford and – Tone, tone down his turnover-worthy plays. I think he would contend for the best quarterback in the league. And from wow. me, you, you, 
you could you could trust that from me because I'm quite low on Stafford uh, relative to some other people. But I, I do recognize that the reason that I'm low on him is the the volume of mistakes that he makes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we saw last, as I mentioned earlier, we saw last year with the Super Bowl uh, push. Is he had a couple of those games where he looked absolutely amazing, and that ended up, you know, winning that team a ring. But this year. He started off very slow. We haven't seen that Stafford at all. And I'm interested to see how they move on because this is definitely a weaker Rams roster. They can't afford to have this many, you know, slow, this much of a slow start. Because last year they also had a bit of a slow start, picked it up and got hot. I don't know if they can do it this year, but we'll see. I hope not as a Niners fan. But that does wrap up our reviews of week four. And... I'll just jump right into our previews of week five, starting off with probably PD's, maybe PD's favorite quarterback of the week in Kenny Pickett. Not because he was particularly good or anything, but I believe he was pretty excited to come out and see him play. And just a quick review of what he did. Uh, He did start off with a pretty poor interception to Claypool, where he kind of just threw it up to the defender and it got tipped. He did have Claypool in good positioning, and if he throws it a bit more towards the sideline outside the numbers, he has him for a big gain. But I'll cut him some slack because he came in cold in his first ever NFL matchup, so fair enough. He did also force another ball late in the game when he was highly under pressure for another tipped pick, and that kind of killed their game. But we also saw a lot of good from him. He had a couple of great throws to Pickens on the back shoulder where the defender was right there, and he just threw it on the money on the sideline where only Pickens could get it. And my favorite throw of his day was definitely a dime to Fryermuth over the middle when he was getting hit. He also showed a lot of heart because he did have two rushing attempts where it took second, maybe third effort to get in. But, you know... He still did it, and he he showed a lot of toughness coming in for his first game ever. But moving on to next week, uh, he is playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, which at this point in the league might be the toughest ass task for a rookie at this point. So, you know, it's definitely not the best position to throw him in for his first start. So what I'm looking for him to do is – just limit the mistakes. I talked about the two mistakes he did earlier. Uh, if he limits those, I'd say he overall had a great performance. But, you know, rookies are more conducive to mistakes. But especially against a team that even gave Lamar troubles last week, he's going to face a lot of pressure, especially with his offensive line not being the best. I hope he can deal with that mentally and not get himself psyched out and just deliver over the course of the whole game because he did show elite accuracy. He did show the ability to process defenses and know where to go. And if he can do that versus an elite defense like the Bills, it's looking great for him and his future. Even if he doesn't, it doesn't. it's not the end-all be-all, but I'm just hoping for him to do whatever he can against a very tough matchup that he's being thrown into. Yeah, um, you referenced my excitement for this. It's it's twofold. So one is that this is the first time that we're going to see a rookie quarterback be inserted for a start. Um, and we saw him last week, of course. So that was quite exciting as well. But the one of the uh, big things as well is the fact that 
Um, when we watch Steelers games, we don't have to deal with the inconsistency that Mitch Trubisky shows, which is like a huge, huge plus for me. Yeah, Trubisky's uh, inconsistency is difficult to deal with as someone who's like a play-by-play watcher and someone who takes notes on every play on on on, on Sundays. And so I think that Pickett offers uh, a huge range for his offense. And I think um, coming in uh, cold, it kind of suppressed what he could do. He was kind of chucking deep shots. But you did reference uh, some of the positive traits that he showed uh, in the game, which was the toughness, the accuracy, the anticipation looked good for a player in his first game. Of course, he's a little bit older um, as a prospect, but I still like him. I think that he can play at a starting quarterback level um, to start the year. And tough assignment against the Bills, yeah, but, I mean, there's hope in Pittsburgh. That's the main takeaway. Yeah, moving on to uh, one of the younger quarterbacks in the league to the oldest quarterback in the league with Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady last week against the Chiefs put up a valiant effort. He had one bad play where... He fumbled in the pocket, a rare, rare mistake with Tom Brady where he didn't notice the blitzer coming. And that was a really costly play because it turned around um, immediately from uh, the drop pass that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had to force a turnover on downs. And it gave the ball back, right back to the Chiefs uh, in positive territory. So that was one bad play for Brady. But other than that, it was just it was just passes on the money, pushing the ball down the field in a comeback situation, um, consistently knowing where to go with the football. It was just an amazing performance overall for Tom Brady, despite the loss. And I think that he put forth a great effort with the lack of skill around him. And even more so, like the lack of a good game script uh, from his from his play caller and from his defense, where Todd Bowles was consistently running on early downs to start the game. And it took a while for him to kind of adjust. Uh, and once you once they adjusted, they kind of started scoring. But at that point, it was almost too late because of the flurry that Mahomes and the Chiefs had gone on. So I think that uh, moving forward with Brady, I, I'm hopeful that the Bucks will start to pass on early downs and pass early in the game, um, not only when they have a negative game script and are forced to pass, because that's clearly the way to win is with Brady's right arm and the weapons that he has around him when they're healthy. So I'm looking forward to seeing Tom Brady. I think he could push himself back into the MVP conversation in these coming weeks because he's played some pretty solid football. And yeah, Tom Brady's back, I guess. Yeah, and one note on Tom Brady, whether it's not necessarily football related, but pray for him a little bit. He does seem to be going through it because I think he is undergoing a divorce right now. So for his sake, I hope this season pans out because if he manages to get divorced and have an unsuccessful season, this might be a very, very rare yet massive Tom Brady L. But moving on from that situation to Tom Brady's longtime backup and currently my goat in Jimmy G, uh, I believe he must have heard what I said about him and what maybe the whole media had to say about him last week because, my God, he was bad versus the Broncos. But 
he quite, did turn it around quite a bit versus the Rams. You know, he still wasn't the, anything um, insane, and he was the Jimmy Garoppolo we do come to expect, where it's not like he was pushing the doubt ball downfield or making a lot of big air yard plays. However, he was constantly finding his receivers underneath open, giving guys like Debo, Juszczyk, Ayuk, the ability to just catch the ball in space and make a play, especially Debo, because he had absolutely breakout performance this week. And he did have overall pretty bad ball placement in classic Jimmy G fashion. He was throwing balls high everywhere, and it was an elite accuracy ball placement-wise. But overall, he did what he needed to do. He got us a lot of splash plays, but most importantly, he didn't make any mistakes, I would say, in that game. And it's rare to see a game from Jimmy G where he doesn't really make at least one turnover or a turnover-worthy play. But this game was certainly one where it was just some inaccuracy that was the problem and not necessarily the turnovers. And if he can keep playing like this, the Niners are in a very good spot because that defense is looking like the best in the league. And moving on to look at Carolina. Now, Carolina has not been good at all this year. And I think with the amount of elite playmakers we have on that offense, uh, Jimmy G should be able to tear apart that Carolina defense that is not looking bad, but also not looking elite by any means. And if he's just able to continue what he's been doing and just get the ball to guys like Debo in space, I think it'll be a long game for Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Good points that you made there on Jimmy G. I think that he continues to cement himself in my mind as a quarterback who's uh, reliant on the big play, not in the traditional sense, but uh, in terms of hitting his receivers in stride over the middle of the field and um, generating explosive plays through yards after the catch while limiting turnovers and turnover-worthy plays as a recipe for success. Um, Moving on to another NFC matchup, we have the Eagles and Cardinals, and I'm going to preview both sides of the ball for this one. Um, So for this one, uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been on fire to start the season, putting himself into the MVP conversation. Um, I think that his game against the Jaguars, while it wasn't the greatest, uh, I feel more comfortable blaming his game on the conditions and his receivers not really being able to make the same plays that they were able to with the lack of footing and being able to put their foot in the ground and make plays like that. Um, Regardless, the Eagles leaned on Jalen Hurts' legs um, with the run game, with their running backs. Um, They kind of pounded the Jaguars up front and kind of won the game that way. And I think that we could see a similar story with the Cardinals this week as the Eagles' offensive line once again has an advantage as they do over pretty much every unit in the NFL on the defensive line. Uh, I think that Jalen Hurts' rushing totals will be really good this week, and I also don't think that any of the Cardinals' corners can match up with uh, the receivers that Jalen Hurts has, namely A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Smith, even Dallas Goddard. I don't think that anyone on the Cardinals' defense matches up with them very well. Um, So, yeah, look for an explosive performance from Jalen Hurts this week. And then on the other side of the ball with Kyler Murray, I think that this might be a little bit of a tricky matchup for him. Um, The receiving talent is just... Is just really poor for the Cardinals right now. He made do last week with 
a couple of explosive plays to Marquise Brown. But other than that, it's just really difficult to see guys getting consistent separation. Uh, Marquise Brown is the closest one, and he's not even like he, – he wouldn't be a candidate for a number one receiver in my offense. And I don't even think that as a number two, he's excellent. He's just more of a decent number two in an offense. I think that they're really, really missing DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't think that the the stuff that I mentioned with the separation of the receivers is going to change against the Eagles, who boast a really strong duo of corners. Um, and their defensive line will overwhelm the Cardinals' offensive line, which has had its stretches. But I, I do think that there's some inconsistency there with, with their line. And I think Kyler Murray will be on the run quite a bit and will have to do a lot. Um, and if he comes out successful in this game, uh, we should be talking about him in the reviews next week. Yeah, and definitely a matchup between two of the most electrifying, fun-to-watch quarterbacks in the league. I'm definitely very excited for this game. I think it'll probably be one of the better matchups of the week, depending on which Cardinals we get. Obviously, one of the more, I'd say, inconsistent teams in the league, playing against the Eagles, who might look like the best team in the league. So if we get the good version of the Cardinals here, this could be a very fun matchup to watch, but... We could also get the bad Cardinals and the Eagles just simply blow them out. So that's definitely something to look forward to. And moving on from those two electrifying quarterbacks to another absolutely electrifying quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And as I talked about him against the Bills earlier today, he did seem to struggle a lot with that pass rush getting to him and getting in his head a little bit and him rushing throws, getting out of the pocket too soon and making mistakes overall. And the Bengals' defense, though it may not be the Bills' defense, they certainly aren't slouches either. Definitely an above-average defensive unit this year. With Hubbard and Hendrickson, I do expect him to be under a decent amount of pressure this week as well. And also the running game, which was surprisingly very effective for them last week, I don't necessarily think will be as good this week because the Bengals have been so far a very good uh team defensively against the run so I think the Ravens once again which they've had to a lot of times this year will rely on Lamar Jackson's playmaking ability to score on offense and I think if he plays the week he did the way he did last week that definitely won't won't happen because the Bengals are a very good defensive unit they can easily force Lamar into being the player he was last week so I'm hoping for him to revert into the player he was to start the season, was absolutely just shredding defenses, was picking apart blitzes, and was using his overall ability to move around the pocket and rush to his advantage when picking apart all this pressure. Yeah, uh, good points that you made with Lamar there. And I think that, I think I'm really excited for this game overall. This is probably my second most anticipated, yeah, second most anticipated game of the year so far. Um, only behind that Bucks chiefs game that we just watched. I think this is one of the highest-level quarterback matchups that we'll see with Burrow and Lamar and just an incredible set of teams in general. Um, I think that uh, from Joe Burrow's uh, standpoint, I think there was a little bit of a return to form on Thursday Night Football. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more of a shift to passes called and runs called from under center for the Bengals um, as they kind of uh, move away from the frequency that they run shotgun as teams have kind of learned how to counter uh, the way that they play defense there, uh, sending a bunch of too high looks, uh, flooding defenders into coverage, and they're kind of 
going with the under center game to kind of disguise what they're doing a little bit better. And so I think that if we continue to see that bump up, especially with a Ravens secondary that hasn't done a very good job of limiting the pass at all, um, I think that we could be seeing some explosive plays from Joe Burrow if his accuracy is, is as dialed in as I know it can be, uh, seeing that he was arguably the most accurate quarterback in the league last year. Um, I think we could be in for a shootout. That's always the hope for me. Um, and, yeah, just looking forward to seeing Joe Burrow uh, light it up as well as Lamar. Yeah, and this is a big primetime matchup as well. So everyone should be able to see this. And with two quarterbacks which a lot of and two teams with a lot of narratives behind them, I feel like this matchup is going to cause a lot of, I don't know, talks and conversations in the media. Because I think not only is this a big matchup in the – AFC overall moving forward this is a battle for that division and a lot of players with a lot of things to prove but moving on from that divisional matchup to another divisional matchup we have the Raiders versus the Chiefs and talking of Derek Carr here he is he's coming off a performance against the Broncos which I could only describe as mid it wasn't necessarily the best performance in the world but he didn't suck, but overall the Raiders kind of just relied on Josh Jacobs to turn into prime Derrick Henry out of nowhere and just run straight through the Broncos' defense for the win. Uh, he wasn't bad by any means, but he all, he did have a lot of inaccurate passes. I do think he had a good connection to Devontae Adams in this game, but Adams did have a lot of targets in that game, which people may not have seen in which Carr just wasn't delivering him the ball. Pat Sertan did have a great game on Adams, but overall that connection could have done a lot more if Carr was just better. And he also didn't seem to give the ball to pretty much anyone else on that team, which certainly shouldn't be the case, especially when you have Sertan shadowing Adams. But just like Stafford, he's got to get the ball more to his playmakers. But looking at uh, this week's matchup, they are facing a very hot Chiefs team who we know for a fact are going to put up a lot of points, and Carr is going to have to keep up with that. So the biggest question for me is, how is he going to do it? Because this will most likely end up in a shootout, and I don't think the Raiders have necessarily been in one this year yet. I don't know if they're capable of doing it, specifically Carr, because I feel like when he's asked to throw that many times in a game, he's going to end up making a mistake that cost them the game. So I'm just hoping to look for a flawless game from Derek Carr mistake-wise because that's what he's going to need to not only beat the Chiefs but just compete with these teams that are at the top of not only his conference but just in the league because pretty much all these teams have elite quarterbacks who are going to end up putting up a lot of points. If the Raiders want to compete, Carr's going to have to play a good brand of football where – He's reading defense as well and not forcing the ball where it doesn't need to be forced, which he's, we've seen him do a lot, and just play clean football. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said there. Um, that'll wrap up our previews for the week. I'm excited for another week of football. Any last thoughts you want to add, buddy? No, nothing really. We just have a lot of interesting matchups this week. So, yeah, just looking forward to it. And we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks become a lot more and more interesting uh as we go on in the season we're having 
a lot more people to talk about. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Drop a follow on Spotify. Um, leave us a rating um, if you if you can do that on the platform that you're listening on. Um, you know, so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Yeah. Peace. Have a good one.